1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revs leave Chicago with a 2-1 win against the Fire behind a brace from Teal Bunbury. Not a very pretty game from the New England Revolution, but they were in desperate need of three points, and they ended up taking all three on the road. Uh, they now go to Philadelphia, a team that they have had to face the Union, a team that they have had a lot of issues with, uh, and have really struggled to uh, beat Andre Blake. But, um Either way, a big three points going into next weekend. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Sean Donahue. Sean, how's it going?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we talked last episode about how the Revolution were finally going to have some some tests this week um, with New York City FC midweek, um, and you know, it, didn't, it didn't go very well for the Revs with the you know the, the midweek loss, and then a you know, kind of a not a good performance for the Revolution against the Chicago Fire, but a good result with the two one win. Um, but I think we still have a lot of questions for this Revolution team.
1: Absolutely, and Bruce Arena in his post-game press conference on Wednesday night uh, after the NYCFC game said that he compared it to the LAFC game uh, last year, where he said it's a bit of a measuring stick game to see where this team lines up. And he says right now, you know, doesn't look like we're at the top of the tier. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there; he didn't didn't say that word for word, but basically implied that they have a lot of work to do. But but it's good to know where they stand. Um, and going into Chicago. This is an inferior fire team, a team that they failed to take three points from uh, back in March uh, at home. Uh, Sean, 2-1 win. What, what was your key takeaway from last night's match?
0: Yeah, I mean, like we said, it, it wasn't a pretty performance. I think the Revolution kind of left that game with you know, just just about as many questions as they entered it with. Um, and there certainly were a lot of questions after that 2 nothing loss to New York City FC midweek, which was really disappointing. But the, the one good thing, um, for me that came out of this game was, was Tommy McNamara's performance, you know, kind of in that number 10 role. Um, he's certainly no Carley's heel, um, and he's certainly not going to be a guy that's going to be the, you know, the, the focal point of your offense. But I thought he did a much more adequate job in that position than we've seen from Christian Panilla, um, certainly from what we saw from Christian Panilla on Wednesday, which was a really poor performance from him. Um, but you know, Tommy McNamara, I think, did enough in this game to, at least for the, you know, the short-term future, kind of be Bruce Arena's replacement uh, for Carley's heel in that role, Um, going forward as long as he's out. Um, you know, certainly fitness isn't fully there yet. I think he was subbed in the 57th minute or something like that, and he, you know, consistently been subbed pretty early in the second half uh, since he's arrived at the Revolution. But there were a lot of good signs from him in this game. Um, certainly the assist on the opening goal for the Revolution, which was, you know, kind of a good play overall. Gustavo Bo um, putting in the hustle to kind of cause a turnover, um, and then playing the ball up to to Adam Buxa, who headed it forward to Tommy McNamara, and then McNamara with a, you know, very smart run to get himself in position for Adam Buxa's pass and then uh, with a very nice pass himself to set up Teal Bunbury for that for that chance. Um, again, you know, Tommy McNamara is a, you know, not even a poor man's Carlys Healy, he's a completely different player. Um, but you know, I, I thought he did a you know perfectly adequate job in that number ten role as a you know backup to Carley's heel, and I think he did enough to get more minutes going forward. I think both of us, when we saw the the trades the Revolution made, uh, probably expected Kakuta Mane to get more minutes out of the two of them. Kakuda Mane hasn't played yet, um, but Tommy McNamara has inserted himself right into the starting lineup, um, and I don't think there was anything from this game to change that. Uh, I think he he needs to work on his fitness so he can go closer to ninety minutes, but. Um, And, you know, there were points in this game where, you know, there were some turnovers from him that weren't great. And I think he certainly faded as the first half went on. But at least for the first, you know, 30 minutes or so, I thought it was a a very good performance from Tommy McNamara in that number 10 rule and something that the Revolution can take as a positive from this game um, in which there aren't too many positives other than the fact that Revolution got three points.
1: Yeah, and just to touch on that, you know, trade for McNamara. I remember when that happened, we kind of saw it as a salary dump. At the worst case, you've saved a little bit of money, and the trading Wilfred Tahibo kind of balances out, uh, you know, the money for Polster and Menne uh, and and McNamara and and all the money you're taking in. So um, we kind of saw it as well. You're gaining a little bit of money, and you're saving some some salary. You're, you're gaining some allocation money, and you're, you're saving uh, some some salary charge. Um, from Wilfred Zeebo. So uh, we kind of, or at least I thought of Tommy McNamara as a bit of an afterthought, but he seems to have been uh, quite the acquisition for the Rebs. Um, Obviously he had that assist. That's the big play of the game that, that really set the tone early. Uh, He was 20 for 26 uh, passing. That's 77%. um, Only six for seven in the attacking third. And if you look at his passing chart, uh, really not a lot of dangerous balls going into the box. He was only one for two for passes inside of the penalty area. Um, But I think that has to do with a lot that the Rebs are struggling to move the ball through the, middle. Um, I I think what Tommy did yesterday uh, was really um, impressive and encouraging. And he also did very good work uh, defensively. He had four tackles. uh, He had two interceptions, um, only dispossessed twice on the night, um, was kind of the saving grace for the middle of the field, um, which seems to have been just a real nightmare for the Revs ever since they've kind of switched to this diamond formation. Um, but Sean, let me let me pose this to you real quick. I mean, we've seen Tommy McNamara for one game. As you said, he came off in the 58th minute. Um, I assume McNamara is getting the start next week uh, as kind of the 10 in, in Philadelphia. As as he, I agree with you. He did an adequate job, and it was a bit encouraging uh, that that he can be this poor man uh Carly's heel but um do you have any interest in potentially seeing Diego Fagundes or Kellen Rowe in that role I mean I, I would have liked to have seen probably Kellen Rowe most of all since he has got a bit of a long shot and um you know I, I think that might be his kind of natural position um, and I think Tommy McNamara might give you a little bit more value kind of in the central midfield area where he, uh, he's he been contributing a little bit more defensively Um what are your thoughts on that? Do you still think it's open competition? You seem pretty sold on McNamara.
0: No, I mean I think Kellen Rowe. Um, I, I would have agreed with you in the past that Kellen Rowe. I'd like to see him play that position, but the the few times he had has, an, has had an opportunity in his career, uh, at least more recently in his career to kind of play that more of a attacking role, I don't think he's been very impressive. I think he's doing a good job as kind of that number eight, going box to box, and you know taking the long shot and being in that position. You know Diego Fagundez did very very well um as that number ten in Brad Friedel's system, you know, for the first, you know, three or four months of Brad Friedel's coaching tenure, uh and then kind of fell up a map in in that role. Um, you know, I, I do think Diego Funes is a guy that, you know, has some qualities that can help a lot in the attack that aren't necessarily being shown in the role he's been playing under under Bruce Arena. Um but with that said, I don't think he's been good enough to be that number ten Lately, uh, and certainly, I, I agree with you. Tommy McNamara is, you know, a different player. He he offers a bit more defensively, uh, maybe than Carly's heel, and a bit less, and as far as the, you know, he's not he's not going to have twelve key passes in a game like you might see from Carly's heel. Um, but he is a guy that I think kept the offense moving. You know, was quick to play the ball wide when there was an opportunity, um, and kind of played the, the facilitator as as more of the guy that might get the secondary assist. Even though in this game, you know, he was the guy that got the the assist on Teal Bunbury's goal. But he seems more of the guy that might you know get that secondary assist on a play as opposed to being the primary creator that Carlos heel is and I think you know he's perfectly adequate for that job and I don't think we've seen enough from Kellen Rowe or Diego Fagundes and that type of role uh, to suggest that's a role for them I certainly thought you know years ago that this was going to be Kellen Rowe's long-term position for the revolution um, I thought at some point he didn't inherit the role from from Lee Wynn, but he just never really grew into that role and I think part of the problem there is that you know when he was a younger player he never really got opportunities in that role um, so you know I don't think he's the answer and Diego Fagundes hasn't look like the answer for that role for, you know, maybe three years now, whenever it was that that Brad Frudel first started with the revolution.
1: It certainly feels like three years ago. I guess it was uh, Brad Frudel was fired last year. So I mean, actually, I guess it's been about two years since Diego Fugundes was kind of moved out of that uh, 10 role. Um, but it seems like a lot longer. Um, and who knows with the schedule that has not been announced yet, we have the Philadelphia game coming up next week, and we don't know what's what's that uh, going on beyond that. Uh, so maybe we will see Diego or Kellen Rowe kind of take on that position if we're still going two games a week. Um, because, as you said, Tommy McNamara coming off in the 58th minute. I, I don't think he's gone 90 minutes yet uh, since coming uh, no. to the revs. So um, a little concerning overall that, you know, we finally have a decent option for number 10 and I still have a few questions about him, but can't even go 90 minutes. So, um, I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if we can uh, rotate some guys in and, and see if anyone else wants to addition for that role. Um, now that the Gustavo and Christian Panea experiments are thankfully over.
0: No, my, my biggest concern with Tommy McNamara is, you know, I thought by the 40th minute of the game, he started looking a little bit tired or, you know, he, he faded a bit. Um, and, you know, we've seen now two games in a row where he was subbed in the 56th minute against New York City and then he was subbed in the 57th minute against Chicago. And I think in both cases, you could tell um, that he, you know, he didn't have that much left in his legs.
1: My key takeaway from today's game is it actually involves another person who came off pretty early and Tony De La Mea uh, returned from his injury and made his first appearance since the DC United game uh, where he had that blunder that, that uh, cost the Revs a goal and ultimately ended up costing them two points. Um, De La Mea was, you know, he was there. He didn't make a whole lot of an impact, Uh, 77% passing accuracy, which is not great for a defender. Um, Uh, Sorry, let me look up these stats. He had one ball recovery, um, 0 for 1 on aerial duels, um, 1 for 2 on tackles, no clearances, one blocked cross. Um, Again, this is 45 minutes, so those numbers don't tell you a whole lot. But uh, there was one play where he did get danced around, uh, and Chicago seemed to be kicking balls over the top. Um, There was a play where he potentially could have fouled someone in the box. It It was more of a dive, but... Overall, De La Mea was they, – they seemed like they were trying to pick on him, and he seemed like a very big liability. Um, Andrew Farrell came back in this game after sitting out the NYCFC game. Um, he played fine. He played better than he did two games ago when I, I kind of said I was starting to be a little concerned about Farrell, but um, – Ultimately, Tony De La Mea, uh, not a very inspiring performance, and that comes a few days after Michael Mantien had a pretty poor game. He had an own goal, and then he was uh, responsible for a second goal on a set piece, uh, and there was a play in the first half on the NYCFC Um, uh, game on Wednesday where uh, it looks like he kept someone onside uh, and that was a chance that the Rose got lucky the offside flag went up when it really shouldn't have so Mancian had a very poor game Wednesday I wasn't very happy with De La Mea's game uh, Sunday night even though I I think Mancian had a much uh, poorer game than De La Mea and and I think this defense has some issues and they're showing some cracks and they are getting away with a lot and uh, you know with these two games a week Henry Kessler is going to have to be rotated out I know he's played pretty much every game, and, and you know he's not starting every game. But uh, when he's not on the field, they have major, major issues. Um, I know one stat that we've talked about in previous seasons is. Um, Expected goals allowed. And we talk about how Matt Turner is always kind of at the top of the table. Surprise, surprise, he is second in MLS again in that stat. Uh, So far, the Revs have 11.7 expected goals allowed, and they've conceded seven times. So Matt Turner already at minus 4.7. He saved 4.7 goals, according to uh, American soccer analysis. Um, And and yesterday, looking at the Chicago game, um, Chicago had 1.8 expected goals to the Revs' 0.9. Uh, so that's really an indication of you know this offense uh, and and not being able to get some some stuff going and also that Chicago wasn't able to make the most of their opportunities Um, so this defense as a whole outside of Kessler um, and and I'd say Brandon by defensively I'm fine with as a right back I don't think he he made some very nice plays yesterday and some very nice kind of emergency clears uh, and some blocked crosses Um, outside of that Andrew Farrell I'm still feeling a little shaky on and I, I you know we had a conversation in the NLS back tournament about De La Mea and Mancien and, and how they are kind of rebuilding confidence and how they looked fine. And I really don't have any confident confidence in the uh, depth of the uh, backup center backs right now. So outside of Kessler, those center backs are weak. And um, this is kind of a takeaway from the Chicago game, the New York City FC game. But Mancienne and De La Mea are not doing themselves favors right now.
0: No, I, I completely agree with you. And you know, De La Maia, the the play that stuck out for me in this game was the 12th minute when— Um, I believe it was off a a throw in where the revolution kind of got pulled out on a, a, you know, on a cross um, and De La Mea Collier, I believe it was got in front of him um de la maya didn't track the runner at all and then he got a wide open header from you know maybe six yards out that matt turner was able to save um but it was you know, bailing out a mistake from de la maya um i don't know if de la maya was subbed at halftime because of his performance i don't think he had a good game um or because he was injured because he did pick up a knock in stoppage time um, where he was limping around so i don't know what the reason was he was subbed in this one i don't i don't know if it was covered in the in the postgame press conference i missed that um but you know, it, it wasn't a good performance either way. Um, there were a few turnovers. His passing wasn't as good as it usually is, but it was kind of the classic De La Mea performance. You have that, you know, kind of the, the boneheaded play where he misses, uh, tracking the runner, it leads to a great chance. And then, you know, you mentioned the, the flop, and it was a flop, but there were a few different times in this game where, you know, De La Mea was, you know, one-on-one defending somebody, and, you know, he, he got away with it. Nope, maybe it wasn't a foul, but you always kind of expect that foul to come because you've seen it from him before. Um, you know, we've seen some great, Performances out of De La Mayo over the years, but this this wasn't one of them. And you know, I, I'm with you, Mancian had a really bad game Wednesday. Um you know, it, it, it was funny when you go back to the MLS's back tournament, there was some talk that, hey, maybe the revolution have four equally competent center backs, uh, but I think it's become quite clear that you know Henry Kessler is the best center back on this team and Andrew Farrell's number two. Um and that's clearly the, the you know the best center back pairing on this team. And when one of those guys is out, uh there's there's weaknesses there. Um but you know, talking about the rest of the defense, I thought Bootner, which is interesting, um I think he had the second highest rating according to who score but I thought he had a pretty rough game uh, particularly with his passing there were a lot of lazy sloppy turnovers from him in this one that you know could have proved costly for the revolution um, he finished with just 61.5 percent passing uh, but you know again Matt Turner bailed these guys out a lot in this game and he's been bailing them out all season if you look at the revolution games over you know over this season and kind of look at the highlights um, I think you could make the case that the revolution would be very close to the bottom of the table if they had you know an average goalkeeper instead of one of the best in the league and Matt Turner
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and touching on Butner really quickly, uh, you mentioned his sixty-two percent pass accuracy. He was nine for nineteen on forward passes. Um, uh, some of those were long cross. You know, cross the field balls, um, including one, the reason why his rating was, high, was so high was because he had the assist on the um, Teal Bunbury not intentional uh, shot, goal, cross, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he gets credited with an assist on that long ball to um, Teal, but it really, I mean, it's a very lucky assist uh, for, for Bootner there. Um, so as I say, some of these were, were long balls, but a lot of them were just kind of up the field, uh, not going in, you know, turnover in the midfield um it seemed like there was a stretch in the first half where he turned the ball over three or four times uh another stat that goes in in bootner's favor is he actually had four chances created um two of them were from set pieces so um his stats kind of a little bit more favorable for bootner um than what we kind of saw with the naked eye um bootner too you know a lot of people have not been talking about bootner uh, lately he seems to be doing a pretty decent job at left back i would say i, I thought yesterday was a bit of a rough game for him he might be. I'm going to give all these players a little bit of the benefit of the doubt with, um, you know, maybe fatigue and and rest and and some guys are are being relied on a little too hard. So I'll I'll give Bootner a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that maybe he was just having an off night. But um, I mean, this is a Tam left back. Um, I think he's making 600,000. I, I think that was the number that, that he was signed at. Um, I, I think he's been doing a lot better of a job than some of the other left backs we have seen in, in recent years that have been complete flops. But overall, I, I'd say Bootner is about an average left back right now. And he's not really producing what we had expected. Um, I think we had expected he, him to come in uh, and to kind of provide service through through crossing. And, um, you know, right now he's got two assists, one off of a corner, and then one was that long cross to Teal Bunbury that really was nowhere close to the box, and he just gets credit for an assist uh, because he was the person to blast touch the ball before Teal Bunbury accidentally uh, scored on a cross. So, um, yeah, Bootner is fine, um, not really the production you want. Andrew Farrell, I think has been fine. I, I think a game rest on Wednesday really helped him out um, but I mean if Kessler and Farrell are not on the field um, it's a stressful adventure for the Revs.
0: yeah and you mentioned Bootner, that it is it is key to point out that you know he's getting those key pass numbers and he's getting some some good crosses into the box but if you look at his statistics they're really inflated from set pieces um, he's doing a good job on the corner kicks for the most part, which is you know a, a good thing in itself, but he's struggling to get off crosses in the run of play um which we saw kind of earlier in the season i think people have have done a better job of kind of marking him out of the game as far as his ability to get crosses into the box and that's i think that's impacted guys like adam buxa um but you know i, I don't I, again you know he, you look at the the comparison points guys like gabriel so is doing miles better than him um but I, i'm not sure he's been quite as good as you know we kind of had hoped based on some of the early performances in mls's back tournament
1: absolutely and let's go on to some positive performances uh they did actually win the game so we got to give some credit there and uh we got to start off with the man of the match this third straight man of the match honors uh, according to the Rev social media or whoever i guess fans vote on that but uh teal bunbury comes away with two goals he scored uh three goals in his last three games um Sean, what did you think of Teal Bunbury's performance last
0: night? I mean, when Teal Bunbury gets hot, he gets hot, certainly. I mean, three goals from him. He's now, I think, eighth in MLS in goals scored this season, which you know, doesn't mean much because it's such a weird season. But uh, the team leader in goals certainly means something for him. Um, I thought it was a, a good overall performance for him, a, a good finish on the first goal, a little bit lucky on the second goal. Um, you know, his effort, he was all over the place. Uh, I think when he scores a goal, he becomes kind of a you – know, steps his game up to another level, and we've seen that in the past few games. With that said – you know he did finish the game with 61.5% passing, which is not you know very good. He had three crosses, none of them were successful. Um, but it's hard to complain too much about a guy that you know finishes the game with two goals, including the game winner, uh, even if there was some luck involved. And certainly, I think his effort was there as it is always. Um, and he did finish with with three interceptions, so that, you know the defensive work rate is is never in question with him. Um, but you know again not a superstar player overall at 61.5% passing. Um, It's it's Teal Bunbury. He is what he is. And when he gets hot, he gets really hot. Um, And he's hot for the revolution right now. So I think you have to keep riding that hot hand.
1: And it's interesting, too, because he's hot, but he's not kind of playing up top. Uh, Books and Bo have kind of taken the uh, spots up top, and he's still finding ways to score uh, at right midfield. I think that's his best position, at least right now, because he does give you a little bit of defense. He had five ball recoveries, three interceptions, as you said. Um, I had one more stat here that I have lost. Oh, well, Um, he also had a chance created um, one clearance, one block. So. Overall, it, it was a pretty good performance, you know, all over the field for Teal Bunbury, and yeah, his passing accuracy was not great. Um, passing all over the field was just horrendous from the Revs. I thought they really could not build possession for anything. They were just completely relying on long Two games balls. games in a row. <laughs> uh, I mean, and it's understandable against the NYCFC, but I mean, it was really disappointing to see um, the, the lack of uh, chances created and the lack of offensive momentum from the, from the Revs against Chicago, um, but. Again, they won. I guess you have to be happy. They they, I, I, they completely got away with one. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. But they, they really should have ended this one in a draw. But I feel like it balances out because we should have had a win back in March. Regardless, getting off my soapbox. Um, yeah, we've seen Teal Bunbury hit stretches like this. We saw one last year. I remember the brace he had against uh, the Red Bulls in the Open Cup. And it seemed like that month of June, he was all over the place. He was he had his finishers touch. Um, and for a team that is lacking goals and for a team that – really just needs someone to put the ball in the back of the net teal bunbury scoring couldn't have come at a better time so hopefully he keeps scoring hopefully we can finally beat andre blake next week um yeah i mean what what else can you say it's it's uh really positive um to see bunbury finally back on the score sheet and yeah team leader in goals with four um i I don't think we would have thought that uh when the season started that uh teal bunbury would be leading the team in goals but here we are
0: yeah, it's not, a, it's not a good thing for guys like Adam Buxa that Teal Bunbury is leading the team in goals, but it's a good thing for Teal Bunbury. Um, and, you know, he's been picking up some of the slack for some guys like Buxa that haven't been performing as well as you'd hope.
1: And the team still does not have a goal from anyone not named Bunbury, Bo, or Buxa, which is very bad. Um, speaking of one of those players, though, Gustavo Bo had a bit of a struggle last night. Um, not a great performance from him. Um, Sean, do you have any thoughts on Gustavo Bo?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was the worst game he's had since he's been on the Revolution. I think you might have been the one that that tweeted that out, and I I certainly agree with it. Um, 60% passing. His, his passing hasn't been great. Zero chances created, uh, zero shots on target. He did have that interception that led to the ref's opening goal, um, but other than that, I, I thought it was a really poor performance from him. Um, it was It was interesting hearing Charlie Davies point out that he didn't think he had seen a player uh, be caught off sides as many times as he's seen from Gustavo Bowe. Um and Gustavo Bo was caught off sides in this game four times. The the rest of both teams combined uh, for two offsides, so Gustavo bow four, everyone else in the field two, and in the caught sides category. Um, and, you know, based off of Charlie Davies is pointing that out, I, I went and looked at who scored to see who is leading the league in offsides per game. And unfortunately, who scored stats are not the best right now because of the, the MLS's back tournament. I think they have those separated out. Um, but if you ignore the MLS's back tournament, which you can't because part of those are regular season games, uh, Gustavo Bo is by far and away the league leader in offsides and caught offsides per game at 1.7. I think the next guy was at 1.2. Um, so it is it is something to watch from him. And it's particularly kind of troubling when he was playing more of that left wing role. Um, there's a lot less of an excuse to be you know, consistently caught off sides like that when you're kind of playing as more of a winger. Um, so I don't know what to make of that, but I think it's a bit troubling. And I did think he looked very gassed in this game. Um, you know, if you look at the Revolution's last four games since the, the season came back, uh, or last five games, rather, he, he played all but four minutes. Um, so that's got to wear on somebody. I think just about everybody else on the Revolution, except Matt Turner, um, has some significant rest during the streak uh, of games since the, the season returned. But Gustavo Bose played all but four minutes, and uh, I definitely thought in this game it looked like it on him and maybe having almost a full week before the next game will help him again. But it seems to me like he's a guy that really needs a rest. Um, and you know, certainly by the 60th minute of this game, I thought he was completely gassed, and I was surprised he didn't come off.
1: Yeah, for a 30-year-old forward um, playing 90 minutes twice a week for three or four weeks in a row is certainly not good. Um, I will give Bruce Arena uh, the benefit of the doubt that I-, I could make the argument that even if Gustavo bow is operating at, let's say, 60% efficiency, um, because he can score from anywhere within whatever, 25 yards or 30 yards, um, he-, he is valuable to have on there, even as a decoy, uh, because teams need to shut him down at all times. So I will give... Bruce Arena, a little bit of benefit of the doubt of keeping Bo out there just because he is so dangerous uh, that, that just having him out there is a net positive. With that said, uh, Gustavo bow with the interception early, and he kind of led to that chain of events that led to the goal. That was his only successful pass in the attacking half in the first half of the game. Uh, he was one for seven on passes in the attacking half. Uh, he was two for three in the second half, and, and neither of the two successful passes after that were very dangerous. He had no successful passes uh, into the box. And uh, this is a guy that doesn't give you a lot of defense. Um, he does not give you a lot of value um, passing-wise. He's a guy that is... You know, giving you value by scoring goals and taking shots, uh, you know, he leads MLS in, in shots taken, or at least he was going to last night's game. Um, and that's my design because he's a danger from anywhere. So um, one shot from Gustavo Bow really tells you a lot that either Chicago was shutting him down, which I don't think they necessarily were. Um, or or he's just not being effective. And I I think he's been run down to the bone, really. Um, I I think there's just a lot of fatigue setting in for him right now, and I think a full week um, couldn't have come at a better time for him because I I thought he was just completely ineffective uh, and completely lost yesterday. Um, I mean, I really don't think there's a whole lot you could say about Gustavo Bo that you can't say about Adam Buxa yesterday. Um, Neither of them were... Uh, particularly um, productive or, or anything like that. Buxa had three shots, um, but both of them in the sixty or sixty-two percent um, passing range. Um, you know, Buxa had six aerials, one. Uh, Bo had none. Uh, Bo had thirty-nine touches over ninety minutes. Buxa had twenty-five touches over seventy-six minutes. So neither one of them protect, particularly effective on the day. They had the, their moments on that goal, but um, outside of that, not a really great night for either of the strikers. And I, I think Estaba Bo, um, you know not a great night from him overall. Sean, you want to get into some Twitter questions here? Sure. Uh, we, we have a, a couple of questions here, which is are kind of in our wheelhouse. Um, any idea what's happened to Justin Rennicks and particularly why Tayon keeps uh, getting put in over him? Uh, that is from Randy LH on Twitter. Uh, and we did get another question from TSB 11 on discord uh, asking what is up with Justin Rennex. So um, this is kind of a, a drum we've been beating lately. Um, and, of note, Justin Rennox has not been in the 18 uh, this week for either NYC or Chicago. And when you're stressing rotation, it seems like this is someone who uh, you know might might provide some value, even as a guy coming off of the bench. Uh, Sean, any idea what they're doing with Justin Rennox?
0: I mean, I, I have to assume there's no injury here because we haven't heard anything. Uh, but um, you know, we don't go to practice every day. We don't get to see what Bruce Arena is seeing. But you know, when he's not making the 18 or the or the 20 now with the you know expanded rosters um, for this it tells me that he is not performing in practice. He is not showing enough to Bruce Arena to justify more playing time. You know, we've talked about in his limited minutes that he hasn't shown enough to justify more playing time, but I I don't think it's completely fair to him to base his, you know, his his skill set off of very limited minutes for this team. Um, but, you know, with that said, you kind of have to give Bruce Arena the benefit of the doubt here. He is giving opportunities to a guy like Kajan Buchanan that we maybe didn't expect to get as many opportunities as he has. Um, so it's not necessarily the, the classic Bruce Arena, you know, kind of ignoring the younger guys Um, the fact that he's not making the game day roster just tells me he's not performing well in practice but what I don't get is if he's not going to be on the game day roster why is he not playing for Revs 2 it it certainly isn't benefiting him to get no playing time anywhere so you know if if he's not going to be even making the roster um, it it, to me would make a lot of sense for him to be getting some minutes at Revs 2
1: and he was coming in early in the season I I think he came in Montreal and the Chicago games um, pre-pandemic um, so for him to drop from you know the the expanded 20, as you said, is, is a bit curious because it seemed like Bruce Serena was starting to play him a little bit more and starting to create a role for him. And it just seems like over, more and more time is passing and, and they just keep sliding him um, down the depth chart. Um, I, I'm not sure what the rules are to revs two. I don't know if he can be added to the roster at this point. I, I would have to look into that. I'm, I'm still not sure, but I don't see why you couldn't. I would think he could,
0: um, yeah. I, I, I don't know of any reason why he couldn't.
1: I don't know any reason why that would be an issue, and apparently Revs two are having issues with uh, with their strikers, um, and they're not scoring a lot of goals. So if you're going to keep him outside of the twenty, and you know, have no plans of really playing him uh, for the Revs, even as a bench player, as someone available for selection, I, I don't really understand the logic and why you're not throwing him down at USL League One. Um, my guess is that he's just too good for League One, and he's not good enough for MLS, um, and the Revs have kind of, you know pegged themselves as this team is not uh, leave, letting anyone leave Foxborough and they're not sending anyone else to loan on, on USL championship. But um, I, I don't know, you really have to question whether or not Renex has a, a role in this team uh, outside of 2020. Cause if I was him, you know, I, I don't want to be spending my uh, early years. You, you left college a year early to sign with the Rebs and you're getting, you know, a five minute appearance cameo, you know, twice a year. Um, you know, I, I I'm really in the uh, opinion that they're hair him, uh, and, and he's really not going to be able to carve out a role um, until it's it's too late. Um, real question, real quick about Tayon Buchanan, Sean. I, I went really hard at him a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I said I didn't want to see him in a tie game again. Um, I thought he's had two pretty decent performances as a sub since then. Um, what are your thoughts on Tayon? Uh, is he kind of back in the trust tree with you two? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, after you made those comments that he had a couple of good performances off the bench, I didn't think he did. Um, a whole lot in this game off the bench or necessarily enough in this one. Um, So, you know, I'm surprised that he continues to play over a Kakuta Mane. Um, But I I almost wonder if that's more of an indictment on what Kakuta Mane has shown since he's joined the revolution than it is on Tejan Buchanan. Um, You know, with that said... I think, I think, you know, everyone sees the speed that Tejan Buchanan brings. And even if he's you know, still a very raw player, um, that speed can cause problems for other teams. And we've seen that at times. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily mind seeing him come in late in a game to run at people. Um, but I also can't say that my confidence in you know, his ability to create something or kind of be that game changer off the bench uh, is particularly high, even though we've seen, you know, a couple of mixed in decent performances surrounded by some performances where he you know, didn't show as much.
1: Our next question comes from Revolution Report, and you kind of touched on it already. Is Buchanan above Mene on the depth chart? Uh, He notes Teon did well closing out the game uh, last night. So, yeah, where does Mene fit into all this? Uh, Certainly he's got to kind of become accustomed to his team. He had his quarantine period. But um, outside of a one kind of cameo on New York City FC game, we really have not seen Kakuta Mene at all. Uh, which is a bit surprising because we were expecting him to be a key guy coming off the bench and potentially a starter uh, for the Revs once he was available. Um, Sean, what do you think of Mene not, in, not getting starting time? Uh, and do you think Teon Buchanan has surpassed him on the depth chart uh, long term?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at the moment, certainly Buchanan is ahead of him on the depth chart, um, other than that New York City FC game, in which he you know, showed some flashes. I don't think, you know, we, ha- we haven't seen Kakuna Mane. Um, and, you know, you mentioned getting used to his teammates. You know, McNamara has already got himself in the starting lineup. Um, I think when we saw Mane come to the revolution, um, you know, he was a guy that was really, really good in MLS four or five years ago. And lately, has been more of a bench player that's kind of struggled to find a role for himself on a lot of teams. And the hope is that Bruce Arena could find a way to get him, you know, closer to that form that he had four or five years ago. Um, but you know, my guess is that again, Bruce Arena's seen him in practice and hasn't seen enough from him because even at that New York City FC game, it was Buchanan that came on in the 56th minute, and then Mane came on in the 67th minute. So it was still Buchanan above him. Um, so uh, you know, at, at, right now Buchanan is absolutely above Kakuta Mane. I think Kakuta Mane at his best. Um, you know, was a player that was pushing for minutes on the U S national team and got, you know, U S citizenship and people expected him to actually play for the national team. Um, He's, you know, years removed from that right now. And, you know, his play, I think from what we've seen in the past few years is miles removed from that. Um, You know, the hope was that he'd get back to that, but I don't think we've seen that so far. And my assumption, based on what we've seen from Bruce Arena, is that he's, you know, showing the player in practice that he's been the past few years and not the player that he was four or five years ago. And because of that, I think Tejan Buchanan is ahead of him on the depth chart, and uh, it's very surprising for me that that's the case. But um, you know, you know, like with Renix I think we have to kind of give Bruce the benefit of the doubt on what he's seeing in practice. And my guess is that you know the, the Mane that we've seen over the past two or three years, which I, I still would have thought would be ahead of Tejon Buchanan on the depth chart, um, is what he's seeing in practice, and you know, it's just not good enough.
1: Yeah, and even before he came to the Revs, it's worth noting he, he wasn't a starter for FC Cincinnati. Um, I, I think that, that says a lot, uh, and, and we might have overrated his abilities. Uh, his game so far in the 2020 season, he had an 11-minute appearance against New York Red Bulls back in March. Uh, he played 53 minutes against Columbus Crew uh, in the MLS's back tournament. That was the 4 nothing shellacking, so his hooster core rating in that game is 5.92, um, so not a lot of positives there. I think that is the only game he has started this year. Uh, yeah. I'd have to double check that, but yep. Uh, and then he played uh, another one minute cameo, uh, against the Portland Timbers in the MLS back tournament. Uh, and then he has 23 minutes for the revs. Uh, he, he came on as a sub, um, uh, against New York city FC this week. So, um, he's played four games. He's, you know, combined had about 90 minutes over those, Four games and most of them coming in a four-nothing loss to Columbus Cruz. So um, this is a guy that that kind of was out of favor at FC Cincinnati. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that Teon has surpassed Mene. Um, and and it's also possible that if he does, you know, I, I can't imagine he has a guaranteed contract next year. Um, it, it might be possible that the Revs are looking at this kind of as a long-term player development situation where if there's not a lot of difference between Teon and Kakuta Mene, Play Teon, get him some minutes, develop him. Um, even though he's super raw, um, you know, it'll benefit you in the long term than Kakuta Mene, who you probably don't want to invest too, too much in if you don't like what you're seeing in practice. Um, we did get one more question uh, on Mene from Macho on Revs Discord. He says, When do you think Mene will get his first Revs start? Um, Sean, any? well, I guess we don't really know the schedule beyond Philadelphia, so it's very difficult to say, but um, I don't think he's starting the Philadelphia game, do you?
0: No, I don't think there's, I mean, Barring an injury, I don't think there's any chance he's starting the Philadelphia game. Um, and without the schedule going forward, it's hard to say. You know, if, if the Revolution have a really crowded schedule, um, again, like they did now, if it ends up being you know they're playing essentially two games every week, then you know at some point they'll probably get a start in there, maybe. Um, but you know, if the Revolution have a week between games, I don't know that I'm ever going to see him start.
1: If hypothetically, if there are ten games left, let's let's say after Philadelphia they add nine more games. I'm just going to make this up. I mean, how many of those games do you think and, and let's say there's three games every two weeks so it's a midweek game and then two Saturday games right so let's just hypothetically say uh, out of those ten games, I mean do you expect Manet to start you know what two of them I mean uh, at this point he at just most. seems like a I mean he does not seem like he is in any favor whatsoever with the revs and it seems like he's you know we've heard a lot about his speed, but um I think another thing too is they've switched to the diamond. Manning's not really a right midfielder like Teal Bunbury. He's kind of a winger. So maybe if they go back to that 4-2-3-1 that we've seen, um, and maybe you put Bo on one side and you put Mane on the other side, but um, it just seems like he is – they've kind of done a formation shift and it's kind of made him a little bit more relevant, um, and they value Teon above him. It's, it's kind of crazy. So, um, I mean, the answer to when do we expect uh, Mane to make a start – it's possible we don't see him make a start and and we don't know the schedule but um I'm I'm going to say not for another four or five games. I think there'd have to be an injury and another formation shift.
0: Yeah, I mean I I don't I don't necessarily see him starting the season unless the schedule just, you know, dictates it because they're so busy um you know I, I think you know like we've seen buchanan's ahead of him on the depth chart and if they are playing with wingers that you know he probably gets to start before him um you know if they're playing with wingers diego Fagundes maybe gets to start before him if he's not playing in the center um so he might be you know fifth option as a winger right now um you know i would think that dewan jones um you know if we'd ever seen him in midfield he could be ahead of him too but we haven't so i think i think he's probably fifth if refs are looking at like wingers right now so um, yeah, unless unless there's a really busy schedule, I don't know that we see him start.
1: We got another question from Revolution Report, and I feel like your your t- takeaway kind of answered this one. But is Tommy Mack a starter now, Sean?
0: Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. I don't think he's a guy that is 90 minutes fit, like I said, yet. Um, but I think he's a starter for the Revolution for now. Um, and certainly when they can use five subs, they can afford to have a guy that's not 90 minutes fit.
1: And I don't see I mean, there's so little positive happening in the midfield right now that even if he's not the 10, I would expect him to kind of move back. Um, and play either an eight or a six or, or maybe a left or right midfield. He seems like a very good fit um, and he, he seems to bring kind of a spark that guys like Diego Fagundes just aren't doing right now. So um, overall, I, I think he's a clear cut starter. But I'm also not sure that
0: anyone in the Revolution midfield right now is an everyday starter um, except for Matt Polster when the Revolution are playing this busy schedule. So I think if, you know, if, if McNamara rests the game here or there, it doesn't mean he's not a starter. I think Polster is the one guy that. You know, they're going to try to play every game if they can, but everyone else is kind of a you know piece that can be rotated.
1: Mm-hmm. we got a question from David Sebelian. 54 completed passes in the attacking third. Did we get lucky or did they suck? Uh, Sean, did the Rebs luckily win the game or was Chicago just that bad? I mean, what, what was that expected goal stat for the, for the game that you had? <laughs> uh, Rebs had 0.9 expected goals. Chicago had 1.8 expected goals. I, I mean, I think
0: the Revolution got lucky. Um, I think Teal Bunbury scored a fantastically lucky shot that was meant to be across um, that, you know, Bobby Shuttleworth will wish he could have had back. Um, I do think it was a, you know, a nice play, but it was where the revolution scored the first goal, but it was again, you know, a turnover from Chicago. Um, I think Chicago was the better team in this game. Um, You know, maybe a draw would have been a fair result, but I think Chicago, you know, if not for Matt Turner probably would have won this game. So, uh, you know, wasn't the best performance from Chicago, but I still think Chicago was the better team. Um, But so yeah, lucky for the revolution, but also, you know, a bit of a, a bit of mental toughness from the revs to go out there on the road after a very difficult home loss and manage to grind out a result and get three points um, when their best player, Gustavo bow was having a pretty poor game by his standards.
1: Yeah. And if you look at the shot chart from both teams, I mean, the Revs are kind of all over the place. They're shooting side to side, and uh, there are a lot of shots from the center of the field uh, from Chicago. And there were so many headers uh, that could have gone in from Chicago. um, The the Revs got very lucky. Even even Matt Turner aside, um, Chicago missed some some chances off of some corners, uh, and they had some golden opportunities. And they went down on a few plays in the box that I thought they if they had you know played through they would have had a, a very good chance and so um the refs kind of got lucky that the Chicago kind of decided to dive and not take the most of their opportunities and score kind of in the run of play um maybe they're just scared of Matt Turner and they figure it's you know not worth the effort so more of a more of a chance to get a call than scoring on Matt Turner but um yeah I mean I, I thought Chicago was the better of the two teams and um even if you take away Teal Bunbury's goal even if he scores a legitimate goal uh, I'm still a little nervous because I, I think the, the defense got away multiple times last night uh, overall so um, we did get a question here from Cameron why does Bruce keep trusting Brandon by to start every game when he is proven to be a liability is it because he is our only right back or because Bruce doesn't tra- trust Sinovic or Dewan Jones at that position um, before we I, I feel like we are just getting questions to talk and defend Brandon by on a weekly basis Sean I will say that Julian Cardillo uh, tweeted out yesterday that he would not be surprised if Brandon by um, gets a call up to the uh, United States national team So we have some uh, Brandon Baye takes in both directions. I think we're somewhere in the middle on this one. But uh, Sean, why does Bruce Arena keep starting Brandon Bye?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I thought Christian Panilla was the most polarizing player on this Revolution roster, but it's quickly becoming apparent that Brandon By is the most polarizing player on this Revolution roster. I think we see takes every week ranging from Brandon By should be, you know, a Revs two player to Brandon By should be on the U.S. national team with that Julian Cardillo take. Um, I, I would agree with you that I think we're both somewhere in the middle on this one. Uh, I, you know, I thought Brandon Bay, yes, he was a kind of a boneheaded play on Chicago Fire's goal where you know he was marking the post and didn't get up fast enough to get Herber's offside but at the same time was kind of a fluky goal you know we talk about the Revolution's goal being a bit lucky um but the chicago fire goal was a bit fluky too um and yes some of that blame certainly falls on brandon by but some of that's just bad luck um with that said i, I you know i thought brandon by was okay in this game um he actually had the best passing accuracy of any starter on the revolution at 80% which you can't say about him very much um i think his crossing has been consistently better this season uh well it could still use some improvement um you know i i i think you know he didn't have any he didn't have any accurate crosses in this game i should say but i thought you know overall his, his crossing's been better um, you know, I think he's a perfectly serviceable right back. I don't think he's a U.S. national team right back by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's a perfectly serviceable right back. Um, and you know, when you ask why he keeps starting, you know, who's who's your next option? I don't think Andrew Farrell is moving back to right back. I think Andrew Farrell is the you know Revolution's second best center back, and he's more useful to the Revs at this stage in his career there. Um, and I think Dewan Jones, you know, maybe he's your number two right back, and maybe he should get more minutes. But I don't think Brandon Bye has done enough to justify benching him. I think he's been perfectly adequate for the Revolution in that position this year year. Uh, You know, if you'd asked me last year, I think we were some of the harder people on Brandon by I don't think he, you know, has been particularly good for the revolution in previous years. But this year, I think he took, you know, some significant steps. And I think under Bruce Arena, he's taken some significant steps for the revolution to be an adequate MLS right back. Um, And I don't think I don't think there's been any reason to bench him based on what we've seen so far this season.
1: Yeah, and obviously a lot of people get on him for the goal, but that was a very fluky play, um, I, and it was a very lucky play. It wasn't like that was a designed play that um, he threw off the offside trap. I mean, that was a scuffed shot by Chicago that just happens to land at the feet of someone who is um, kind of beyond all the defenders. So um, I, I, I see that more as unlucky than a representation of Brandon by skill or effort. Um, I, I don't think that one play is really, I don't want to say fair, but, um, you know, mistakes happen. Um, I think if you look at Brandon his overall uh, game yesterday, 80% pass accuracy, 10 for 11 in the attacking third. He only had one cross yesterday; it was 0 for 1 on crosses. No, no real surprise there. He still needs to work on his crossing. We talked about it last week. But six ball recoveries. Um, he was 1 for 1 in aerial duels. He had two tackles. He was 4 for 4 on clearances, 3 for 3 on headed clearances. Um, three fouls committed, um, and he seems a little calm under pressure too. There are some balls that are, you know, down there in the six yard box that he's able to put out uh, behind the the touchline for a corner kick Um, he's been doing very well with those Um, I saw a stat that came up on the screen against NYCFC he leads the league in aerials one uh, apparently uh, according to the the revs broadcast against NYCFC so I don't know if that stat is still true Um, I I probably should have double checked that before I started talking but um, we've talked that Brendan by is pretty good in the air Um, and his defense has improved massively compared to prior seasons so um, I mean he is an average MLS right back he he's not great, he's not going to win you games. Um, but I wouldn't call him a liability. Uh, and I think yesterday, you know, obviously there was that goal that threw off the offside trap, but, um, uh, you know, compared to, you say, Michael yen where, uh, you know, it's kind of in the run of play and it's more of a standard play. That's that's one thing. This is just, you know, there's a scuffed shot on the other side of the box and he happens not to have caught up with everyone as everyone is leaving the box. I, I don't think that's really a good representation of him. And outside of that one play, I don't, I don't really have any complaints about Brandon by yesterday. So um, I, I, I'm finding more that, uh on discord branded by is uh the most hated player but when you go over to twitter it's uh, all love so I don't know if there's a bit of a discount between uh, a disconnect between social media sites, but I think you and I fall somewhere in the middle where you know Brandon Bay is an average right back. And um as you say, there's not a lot of good options. I guess there is Dewan Jones, but Brandon Bay is better defensively than DeWan Jones. I really like Dewan Jones. I think he's great. I'd love him coming off the bench, kind of in the Tayon role, playing a speedy winger that is able to drive the ball into the box. Everyone gets on Brandon by crossing. I don't know if I've ever seen DeWan Jones successfully cross the ball. Um, I, I mean, that's a complete unknown if he's a great crosser. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Brandon by is perfectly fine. There's a million other issues with the team right now than uh, the right back spot. Yeah, no, no disagreement here. All right. Um, Flo asks us why do they keep playing Diego Fagundes at central midfield? Uh, when he's always a ghost, wouldn't he do better higher up the pitch, kind of in that uh, central attacking midfield role or at left wing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we covered this one earlier. Um, I think Diego Fagundes has been adequate in the central midfield role. I don't think he had a you know terrible game this weekend. Um, I don't think he's as, as involved as you'd like him to be. Um, I think Charlie Davies, you know, in the match pointed out that he'd like to see him get forward more and, and, and kind of take guys on, um, you know, I'm not sure the confidence is there and I'm not sure that's what he's being asked to do. Uh, some of this is out of necessity with, you know, the numbers they have with, um, you know, Caldwell having suspended he was you know available for this game but he's missed games due to suspension you know Luis Caicedo's obviously had all season they got rid of Hebo. um you know they have a hole in central midfield and he's done an adequate job there um I don't think when he's been asked to play the number 10 or in a more attacking role under Bruce Arena he's done a good job so I I honestly think it's just performance based he's done better as a central midfielder I don't think he's been great as a central midfielder I think he's been adequate as a central midfielder um where he's been when he's been put in attacking roles under Bruce Arena he just hasn't performed
1: yeah, I mean, what's he done well? I mean, I think saying he's a ghost is a good explanation. I mean, we, we've we talked about him when he, he gets starts, and, you know, there are some games he does well. There are some games he doesn't do great. Um, I'm not – you would think he would be – a potential 10 because he played there a couple of years ago. But um, I mean, he, he's really regressed to the point where I'm not sure where he fits on this team anymore. I'm not sure if it's effort-based. I don't know if he gets along with Bruce Arena. I mean, it, it ever since Bruce Arena has come in, um, his stock has just massively decreased and I'm not really sure where he stands on this team anymore. Um, I, I, I don't really particularly like him in the central midfield role. I, I, I agree with Flo. I, I would put him higher up on the pitch, but I mean, they have a lot of depth at wing, you know, between Padilla and Teal Bunbury and then Mene and Taeyan and uh, I mean, you could put Dewan Jones there. I mean, all those guys are faster than Diego Fagundes at this point. Um, so I'd give Diego a shot at the central attacking midfield spot if Tommy McNamara doesn't work out or if he needs to be rotated out. Um, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to like him there. So I think they're putting Fagundes in that central midfield role, basically just out of need at this point. Um, they, they are really struggling to uh, find a solid lineup. And yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. But um, I'm very concerned about Diego at this point. And I, I'd be very shocked if he comes back to the Revs in 2021.
0: So my, my problem with Diego in that role is that he's his passing has become more like a Scott Caldwell. Um, you know, you'd expect Diego to be a guy that would, you know, kind of, have creative passes and kind of have the vision to, to create something offensively. But it's a lot of side to side passes from him in that role. And I'm not sure what he offers you as a central midfielder now that Scott Caldwell doesn't, because I think Scott Caldwell is certainly a better option defensively. Um, you know, Diego is just a guy that, now with his passing, isn't you know isn't going to be much of a liability. He's going to help you keep possession, but he's not really creating anything. Uh, you look at his passing mm-hmm. chart; it's side to side and backwards passes for the most part. And then you know you get to the attacking third, and it's it's, it's all sideways passes. Um, there was that game. I'm I'm blank. All the games are blending together to me now. There was that game you know a, a few weeks ago where. Um, he had a couple of really nice long passes to kind of spring teal Bunbury or other guys that had gotten open um, you know deep passes that kind of led to good revolution attacks, um, but we haven 't seen enough of that from him. Uh, I just don't see the vision from him in that role that you would expect to see from Diego Fagundes and that you might have seen a few years ago. Uh, and that's what's worrying when you talk about maybe moving to a number 10 role or to a winger role is that his, his passes hadn't shown uh, the creativity or the, you know, the offensive drive that you'd hope to see from somebody in those positions. And you know, maybe Bruce Arena is asking him to just play the safe passes. But you know, with his skill set that we've seen in previous years, it's kind of surprising to me.
1: Yeah, he doesn't really stand out anywhere. And, and yeah, I think Scott Caldwell comparison is good what does Diego do better than Scott Caldwell in that central midfield role I'm not really sure I don't know uh Cam asks us why has Bo been so useless uh we kind of touched on it earlier I think he just needs a break um I think he'll come back perfectly fine and he has been moved to striker he is doing a little bit better um in terms of um shot selection and and being a little more dangerous but uh the chicago game uh he he just seems like he has been grinding and he needs a break and um even even too with the lack of touches there was one play where i think diego passes him the ball and he's along the sideline kind of the left sideline and he kind of mishandles it and just kind of rolls out and you can just kind of tell he, he just kind of groaned uh you could tell he's uh just really grinding at this point and he's really struggling so hopefully we see a reinvigorated uh, Gustavo castaba bolas uh, next week against philadelphia um any anything to add on there sean
0: no, I mean, I think it's fatigue. And I think that, you know, on top of fatigue, he hasn't looked as sharp since the restart as what we saw at the beginning of the season and what we saw last year. So, um, you know, those two things, sharpness and fatigue. Um, and, you know, I can't blame him for the fatigue. And, and I do wonder if um, I do wonder why, why he hasn't necessarily been as sharp. But I, I think I think it's something that is going to be fixed as the season goes on.
1: He's a much better player with Carly's heel too. I mean, it's just flat out. Gustavo Bo works best when he's facing goal and he's got a little bit of space. Um, And without Carly's heel, I mean, he he just doesn't have as many opportunities and and not a lot of chances. And um, if if he's not getting off five, six, seven shots a game, um, you know, he he doesn't have a ton of value because he's not going to pass very well. And, you know, he's just, I don't want to say he's one dimensional, but um, he he scores so well, that's where all his value is. And, um, you know, when you miss that, I mean, he's just a totally different player.
0: And if you're a team facing the revolution, you go into that game knowing that the, the one guy that can beat you on his own is Gustavo Bo, uh with Carly's heel out. So there's a lot more focus on marking him out of games um, and a lot more focus on preventing him from you know facing facing his goal and getting the ball in a good position to shoot. Um, and we haven't seen as much of that from him. I, I think he'll figure it out eventually, but I, I don't think he's been as sharp since the restart. And I do certainly think that fatigue over the past two games has played a role in him struggling a bit.
1: We got a question from TSB11. Where have the Revs displayed playable depth? Where are they an injury away from catastrophe? So two separate questions here. Um, basically, where is the depth for the Revolution? Where are, they good, where are the good areas where they're uh, in depth? And um, where are they, you know, a Carlisle Seal injury away from calling off the season? So um, let's start with the positives, Sean. Where, where do you like the depth on this team?
0: You know, I, I like DeJuan Jones as a fullback option at, at both sides. Um, it's still kind of a thin depth there because Sonovic hasn't proven himself to be, you know, still capable of playing at a high level at this league. Um, so that's been kind of a surprise and kind of a disappointment. But I think overall, you know, if, if he's your backup at fullback, that's pretty good. Um, you know, a few a few weeks ago, we might have said center back. I no longer think that's the case. Um, but you know, at central midfield, I think the the drop off from a you know a Scott Caldwell or a Kellen Rowe to a Scott Caldwell or a Kellen Rowe to a Diego Fagundes isn't that high. I think that's, you know, playable depth if that's the word we're using. Um, And I think on the wings... When you have a guy like Hakuta Mane, who we haven't seen yet, who's you know not even getting minutes because of you know Buchanan playing better, um, that's okay depth on the wings. Again, not amazing, but okay depth. Um, you know, honestly, one of my takeaways from what we've seen in the second half of the season is that the Revs' depth is not as good as he once thought it was. But you know, th- those are the positions where I think if the Revolution have you know a injury, um, it's not going to kill them. Yeah,
1: I agree with everything you said. Um, I-, I won't repeat it. I- well, and uh, I think they have good goalkeeper depth. Um, but certainly there's such a drop off from Matt Turner to Brad Knighton, uh, that I, I, I don't think it really belongs in that category. Uh, Where are they an injury away from catastrophe? I kind of contradict myself. I think Matt Turner is the one guy that if he goes down, I mean, it's kind of game over for the refs. Um, I think Henry Kessler is another guy that if he goes down, it's a bit of a catastrophe because I don't think any center back pairing with Andrew Farrell uh, is really going to hold up. I think Andrew Farrell at this point is a pretty good second center back option. Um, And he's a very good veteran leader. Um, But I I think he's kind of dropped off a little bit from his – uh, 2019 season um, that we saw him under Bruce Arena. Uh, and then Gustavo Bo, I think if you take Gustavo Bo off the field, I kind of pitched, maybe he's just out there as a decoy. I mean, if you picture the Serevs team without Gustavo Bo, um, for whatever, 60 minutes, let's say let's say you you rest him uh, and you bring him on as kind of a super sub late in the game. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any offense offense generated from that team. Um, you're, you're essentially relying on Adam Buxa to uh, kind of lead that kind of striker position, uh, and you're hoping for someone to feed him the ball, and I'm not sure who that is. Um, I guess Tommy McNamara, but um, Gustavo bow is, is kind of a weapon that draws attention uh, and gives some other players some space. Uh, so... Yeah, I think those three guys. If any of them go down, um, it's a pretty big catastrophe. Um, Matt Polster too. I I think I I like what he's done. Uh, He's been pretty solid since he's come over. Um, I I think you could put Scott Caldwell in there, but um, you know, outside of that, there's really no good central defensive midfielder. Um, So yeah, I mean, outside of. Uh, Kessler Turner and uh, Bo I, I think I don't say everyone's replaceable but um, those injuries would be completely catastrophic for the reps at this point
0: yeah I completely agree with that list and just you know for Matt Turner is I think like you said Brad Knighton's a perfectly good MLS backup probably better than most teams backups but Matt Turner is just playing at another level right now um, I think Matt Turner is you know has has won the revolution several points this season I do honestly think they'd be very close to the bottom of the table if they didn't have Matt Turner um, and you know brad Knighton can do a very good job but he's not matt turner so i think that's one of those positions where if matt turner goes down right now the revolution are done um certainly you know i, I think intentionally Carles gill wasn't included in that list i think Carles heel being out uh, he is the the most irreplaceable guy on the revolution and they've struggled without him um but you know with him being out you take out gustavo bow and i think the revolution are in, are in huge trouble uh, for the very reasons you said and i think matt polster was a good shout too because without Wilfred zahibo um you know they need matt polster's kind of bite and defensive bite back there uh he does he does a you know, really good job in that role. And I think he does provide something that Scott Caldwell, you know, Rowe, Diego Fugundes can't, Um, you know, with that said, I do think that those guys are, you know, adequate replacements. Um, But I think Matt Pulsar would be a a huge kind of irreplaceable loss for the revolution right now with Wilfred Zahibo not on the roster.
1: I'm trying to find um, Matt Turner's expected goals, uh, goals to expected goals over the last two seasons, because he might surpass um, what he did last year in 2019. He might surpass what he did in 2018 um, with a shortened season. Uh, and he was among the league leaders in the past two seasons. I means ever since he's been a starter, he, he's been one of the best goalkeepers in terms of the expected goals to goals differential. Um, and this year, as I say, he's at negative 4.4. I am upset. Uh, just really quickly that leading the league is Sean Johnson. Uh, Cause I've been on an anti Sean Johnson campaign ever since he was nominated for MLS goalkeeper of the year uh, over Matt Turner last season. So unfortunately I'm eating a little bit of crow uh, on that side, uh, you know, but um, Sean Johnson's at negative 5.65 Matt Turner's at f- negative 4.4. 4, and then Diop for Montreal is at negative 0. 0.32 David Jensen of Red Bulls negative 2.12. And Andre Blake is down at negative 1.96. So, um, you know, he, he he's done very well this season. Uh, he saved them a number of times. You expect two or three great saves from Matt Turner every single game, um, and yeah, he, he's really keeping them alive this season as he did last season. So um, I, I think that's just a complete catastrophe for the Revs, and um, you, you gotta hope he comes back for twenty twenty one. I'll, I'll be happy for him if uh, he ends up moving to Europe, but um, yeah, uh, he he is the heart and soul of the team right now, and hopefully, offense is able to kick anything to gear. Uh, Sean, anything you want to touch on before we wrap up here today?
0: No, I mean it's it's interesting. I I, I hate to, you know, pick on Bobby Shuttleworth, but you know you, you picture the revolution with Bobby Shuttleworth right now, and you know he's actually had well people have said he's had a good season, but he's got a fifty four point five percent save percentage, which to me is an atrocious number. Where Matt Turner is near the top of the league with an eighty point eight. Percent save percentage. If if Matt Turner's save percentage was 54.5% right now, I, I don't know that the revolution would have any points. Uh, so i I just think you can't undersell how good matt turner has been and and i think you know when when chicago fire talk about bobby shuttleworth having a good season and he had a couple shutouts before this game which was a tough one for him um you know the the guy that had been starting for chicago kenneth cronholm had a 41.2 percent save percentage which might be the worst i've ever seen for a goalkeeper that's had five starts so uh, you know you, you, you think of the drop off from you know a Matt Turner to a Bobby Shuttleworth, which is who the revolution had a, f- a few seasons before him. Um, you know, I-, I don't think this revolution team is, is even in the, the the thought of making the playoffs. Of course, we don't know how many teams are making the playoffs. So that's hard to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a bit of the same grace. I know a lot of people are freaking out because the revs are kind of floating around that seven seed, uh, and in the back of my mind, I'm just like they're gonna let every team, you know, i'm I'm sure they're gonna decide two weeks before the playoffs how many teams get in. So um, but yeah, Matt Turner, among the league leaders in safe percentage and goals against allowed, uh, and it's not because his defense has been uh, rock solid. he He certainly had a lot of difficulties and has been keeping the revs in a lot of games and has saved them a lot of points. So uh, not not a lot of news to wrap up on. Uh, the revs Revs two lost four um, nothing last week. their they, their struggles continue, um as I said last week. Uh, inaugural season of a developmental team, it's going to suck. So uh, patience. Um, Hopefully we're seeing some positive things. I know Isaac Hanking, who is the best player on their team, did not play last week. Uh, So the result, I guess, you know, kind of expected. But a lot of mistakes, especially in the back. Um, Yeah, struggles continue. And uh, I don't think Colin Verfurth is uh, expected to break into that center-back pairing uh, anytime soon. I know we've picked on De La May and Mancien. But I I don't see Verfurth kind of getting the call-up. Uh, and being that third center back. Um, so I, I, I would not get your hopes up on, uh, any, uh, you know, miracle call-ups, uh, as we end up, uh, down the stretch. Um, yeah, that about does it. Uh, Sean, you can find Sean at Sean L. Donahue, uh, and you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. Also, please like our Revolution Recap Facebook page. Uh, we're not sure if we will be doing a podcast next week following the Philly game, and we don't know the schedule beyond the Philadelphia game. So uh, not sure when we'll be back with a new episode. But until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Rebs. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's
0: Granger.